Hey, it's Jordan. I'm delighted to be joined by a progressive media star, and uh, he's a YouTube host. He's also with the Jimmy Dore Show. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian and, of course, political activist, Ron Placone. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jordan. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good yes. See you. Yes. Uh, I, I just want you to serenade me with your guitar for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're doing some cool stuff on uh, net neutrality coming up. Uh, I want to yes. uh, first find out uh, the who, what, where, why, and when, and uh, then we could get into some other issues. So I teamed up with an organization called Fight for the Future, and uh, they do excellent work on online privacy, on net neutrality. They've been doing good work for a really long time. I'm stoked to be working with them. And on June 11th, we are going to have an epic live stream, which, Jordan, I, I hope you'll join us as a guest at some point if you're available. I'll loop you in with the scheduling folks. But uh, we're going to be doing an epic live stream for net neutrality all day, and you can tune into that at epiclivestream.com. So we made the URL really easy. Um, and June 11th marks one year since the Trump FCC repealed net neutrality. Uh, which, you know, net neutrality, I'm, I'm sure a lot of your viewers are already familiar with the issue, but net neutrality basically assures the free and open Internet as we know it in a post-net neutrality world. Stuff like this wouldn't be able to happen. Independent media would get completely crushed, and the Internet as we know it would basically cease to exist. It would look like cable television 2.0. So um, since net neutrality has been repealed, we've been fighting it on the lines. There's a state bill in New York. There's a state bill in California to reinstate net neutrality. Um Folks have been fighting it, trying to get Congress to overturn what the FCC did. Uh, and another way that we've been fighting it is there's a Save the Internet bill. Now, that bill, three-page bill, no bullshit, just says, hey, those net neutrality rules that we got on the books in 2015. And I say got on the books because we've had net neutrality since the advent of the Internet. That's something people like to pretend isn't true when they're arguing against net neutrality. We've had net neutrality since we've had the Internet. We just got it solidified on the books in 2015. But um, we're basically saying with that bill, hey, those rules that we put on the books in 2015, they were good rules. We're going back to them. That repeal we did, let's just pretend that never happened. That's basically the bill. It passed the House, but Mitch McConnell said this is dead on arrival in the Senate. Uh, so we're having a big day of action to demand that they take action on that bill uh, and to demand a free and open Internet. Now, even though the, the bill would have a long way to go in the Senate and to get signed by, by, by Trump, it's still kind of, um, you know, kind of forcing that hand to kind of use it as a political t uh, tool that, hey, these are the people who are against net neutrality, which has over 80 percent support across political aisles amidst people. Uh, and we demand a free and open Internet. And I think people should know, uh, I'd love your thoughts. It's not just like a Republican or Trump thing, because Biden's first fundraiser with, was with Comcast <laughs> and Comcast and has done more to kill net neutrality parent company of nbc news msnbc and he's never to my knowledge come out with a strong support of net he's, neutrality. he's against it right yeah, no biden biden is against net neutrality um and there's some i mean yeah it's not just across party lines there are some democrats against net neutrality and there are actually some republicans for net neutrality uh in you know amidst selected officials um Biden and, and then the other thing here, too, is that some Republicans attempted to weaken the bill by giving us this compromise bill that wasn't net neutrality at all. It was just a false you know, BS bill. And uh, what happened was when Mitch McConnell said it's dead in the Senate, instead of Democrats kind of standing strong and saying, hey, this has over 80 percent support from people. We, we demand some action on this. And if you go against this, it's going to go on record and it's going to come back to hurt you. Well, instead of doing that, Democrats said, 
well, I guess we can compromise. And, uh, you know, Kristen Sinema, who is one of the anti-net neutrality Democrats and some others that they started drafting this uh, bipartisan bill for net neutrality, which isn't net neutrality at all. So instead of standing strong, uh, Dems kind of caved. I know, very out of character, <laughs> but uh, they did completely cave. And um, so we're, we're trying to stand strong on that and, and let everybody know that we demand real net neutrality. We're not going to settle for less. Uh, and anyone who goes against that, you know, hopefully will be held accountable at the ballot box. So that's what we're doing with this live stream. That's great. And I think it's super important because, to be honest with you, uh, net neutrality, like the term, isn't sexy. So it no. doesn't tend to get a lot of coverage. But really, at the root of, I think, politics uh, today, it's an information war. So you have uh, basically Google owns the world. They derank anti-war vo uh, websites and hosts. They derank um, alternative voices. Uh, now YouTube with their latest uh, adpocalypse uh, uh, or voxpocalypse, uh, they are saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to elevate uh, a authoritative news, meaning trustworthy news. We've heard this from Facebook, too, that, uh, yeah, we're going to elevate in people's feeds trustworthy news, which is really just code for a bunch of coastal cocktail crowd people to decide who to favor and who to suppress. So I don't know if that ties in to the letter of the law with net neutrality, but net neutrality to me is really about there's an information war because the more even conservative voters learn about the real state of this country, the more they realize they're closet progressives. Your thoughts? I, I agree 110%. And you're hitting at something else here, too, because it's like, you know, we're in a time where everyone kind of needs to pick a lane and, and do something. We're in catastrophic times. And the reason net neutrality is just so important Ron, to me. Ron, stop, stop that talk. It's a booming economy. <laughs> But the reason – so net neutrality, you know, the way I look at it, without a free and open internet, we're really kneecapping ourselves as far as any other type of change. Without a free and open internet, we would know even less about Flint. You know, folks like you and other independent journalists and, and there's just a very small handful it looks like are the people going to Flint, uh, giving us firsthand reports, which, by the way, excellent work on that, by the way. But – um you know, that's so important and so essential because the corporate media is not telling us what's going on. So if it wasn't for a free and open Internet, we would have been clueless about Dapple. We'd be clueless on Flint. We'd be clueless on Black Lives Matter. We'd be clueless. I mean, so many things, issue after issue, where, you know, independent media has shown a light on so many things that if the free and open Internet gets taken from us and shows like this, uh, your show, my show, uh, independent grassroots journalism can't exist because we can't pay the fees that they're going to start charging. Well, then, I mean, we will lose that information war, as you put it. And, right. and so that, that's why it's just so essential to our society. You know, our information platform these days is the Internet. That's what we rely on. It's an essential utility to our lives, and it needs to be preserved as such. Right. And it's also, um, you know, for example, I've gotten to the point where I'm literally spending five minutes of my live stream a day telling viewers, don't rely on YouTube to notify you that when we're yes. live, put it in your phone, five o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday. So it really gets to a point where if um, whether it be through uh, net neutrality, which basically creates, you know, a haves and a haves, a have and a have nots. So like a fast lane for people who want to pay more uh, and, you know, blocks and throttles those that can't. Um, we're basically seeing that it's 
Really, if you look at fascism, uh, it's not necessarily just gas chambers. Part of fascism is censorship. That's one of the beginnings of fascism. And uh, yeah. like you said, uh, yes, obviously Trump and his FCC directors made it uh, made this what it is. But like it, like in other circumstances, uh, you don't Republican extremists can't pass half their stuff if Democrats don't help them get it over uh, the finish line. Wanted to ask you also because I think. Um, Net neutrality, it's both a way to throttle and suppress, but also, like, in your experience uh, being with Jimmy Dore, you've seen, like, CNN kind of dub him as, I think one article said, like, a a, a, a radical left or, or something like that. So, Well, I, I know CNN said that uh, peddling conspiracy oh, right. theories, which was uh, – and, and I, I got a little nervous because that happened to be the same week I started riding my bicycle more. So I, I was a little – I was like, that's weird timing. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think the two go hand in hand. I wanted to ask you about uh, net neutrality because it's interesting to me with the Democratic Party. They always come and like are cheering for something like when it's convenient. So, for example, yeah. when I was at Standing Rock – Freezing to death. I never heard anything for the Democratic Party. It was only when Obama like denied the permit that all of a sudden they're like mini Wachoni and all these emails are going out. Uh, are mm-hmm. you are you hearing anything? I know you said there's you know people in the Democratic Party, but are you seeing uh, other than like a Bernie or a Tulsi? Uh, what are the presidential candidates uh, doing beyond just saying they're for net neutrality? Yeah, I don't hear much. The only candidate that I've heard speak about municipal broadband, which uh, which actually that would really solve net neutrality, because what that would do is that would take the Internet out of the hands of these big corporations that want to screw us over and into the hands of cities and municipalities. And that's another movement that's growing that I view as connected to net neutrality. And I'm pushing for municipal broadband in my own community, too, in Pasadena, where I live. But um Uh, Bernie Sanders spoke for the need for universal broadband. Uh, That's the only thing that I've heard. And that kind of got overshadowed by a lot of the other stuff he was saying, which is okay because, again, it's not the sexiest issue in the world, but it's hella important. I know the the net neutrality, municipal broadband, that doesn't necessarily turn heads immediately. But if we lived in a world without net neutrality and if we didn't have the option to take our Internet back, that would turn everyone's heads because it would it would change our lives and not for the better. Right, right. And uh, what are your thoughts on you look at um, basically the Democratic Party now? It seems like they're running the exact same playbook as 2016. Trump's the Antichrist. Uh-huh. Uh, Joe Biden is like, make America normal again. Well, the normal you want to return to was the same time period that elected Donald Trump. So yeah. politically speaking, it seems like. Yeah, you got Kamala Harris and, and these other Johnny-come-lately progressives uh, talking the talk, but they say Biden's the front-runner. He's preaching a return to corruption that's behind closed doors, rather out in the open. Um, I see a slow-moving train wreck coming as far as 2020. If Joe Biden is the candidate, uh, they're going to blame Jimmy, you, and some others, uh, including me. <laughs> but it seems like deja vu. I- I'd love your thoughts just on uh, 2020 so far. If Joe Biden, well, first of all, and it's we've been saying this for a long time. Progressives have been saying this for a long, long time. But now, I mean, there's some data that came out recently, like studies are supporting this now, where they're saying, and these are people like that are either just like outside of the you know uh, political realm or just uh, even some centrists that are saying, yeah, a centrist won't beat Donald Trump. Like, like everybody's slowly starting to come around to that. Meanwhile, Biden's still the front runner. If 
Joe Biden is the nominee and it is Biden v. Trump, the entire election season will be two old white dudes talking about bigoted things the other white dude did in his past and why, because of those bigoted things, that person shouldn't be in office. And those moments will be one of the few times where both of those people are actually telling the truth. And it will be a horrible campaign season and we deserve better. And those are two utterly horrible choices. And I think Biden would lose. I think yeah. Biden would lose. I don't think Biden could beat Trump. Right. And uh, lastly, uh, obviously, it's not directly connected to net neutrality, but uh, we're seeing a debate about should channels, particularly uh, hor horrific right wingers like Steven Crowder, should they be demonetized? Should they be deplatformed when they when they launch? Um, I think in this case, he launched a homophobic uh, or was wearing a shirt that said some homophobic slurs about a Vox reporter. It was like trending yesterday and everyone's yeah. got an opinion. Uh, I come on the side of like, I'm not crying any tears if Steven Crowder gets demonetized because like he shouldn't be, you know, if you want to, you don't have like a First Amendment right to profit off of like homophobia. But the problem to me isn't demonetizing Steven Crowder. The problem is YouTube and the fact that they cast a humong outrageous wide net over uh, everybody else because of like a few like rotten apples like him. But, you know, some people don't agree with me. So I'd love your thoughts. Yeah, no, I understand. And uh, I, I certainly I, I haven't been I mean, I'm familiar of this, for instance. I haven't read as much about it as, as others have. So mm -hmm. I'm not like totally fluent in what's going on. But as far as the theme goes, um, I pretty much feel the same way that, that I've always felt where I think that when you are at the level of a YouTube and when you're at the level of a Facebook and a Twitter, like you need to be a utility and I think you need to follow the free speech laws of the United States right. as far as when you determine, you know, when something crosses uh, into that barrier. Um, everything I've seen from, you know, Steven Crowder, what he did, you know, directed at that Vox reporter, I think it's absolutely disgusting right. and a shame. And, you know, it's really sad that that a grown adult is just uh, profiting off of just juvenile hatred and homophobia. I think that's very sad and morally disgusting. But um, but yeah, as far as like, does that give YouTube a license to then just start demonetizing other channels at will and kind of having a second apocalypse and kind of just, you know, using their determination on, on what is and isn't crossing a line. Well, well that, that kind of, that crosses into a different realm that, yeah. that I think is very dangerous. And, and YouTube has made some wrong decisions in the past as has Facebook, uh, as far as other things they've done. So I think, this is one of those, for instances, where the law has not caught up to technology. Right. You know, because the, these organizations have gotten so big and, and they have such a big role in our ability to exchange ideas and information. But as far as how to uh, how to organize this in a free and fair way that, you know, protects people to a reasonable degree, like, like inciting violence, for instance, it's not protected by the free speech laws in the United States or, or something like that. Um, you know, how do you draw that line between uh, allowing a free and open marketplace of ideas while also, you know, not allowing things that that cross into certain dangerous parameters towards groups of people? Um, you know, the law has not caught up yet. I right. think the free speech laws in the United States are, are pretty good. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like fluent in our free speech laws. I, I know the basics of it and it's pretty good. It's better than I could what I could come up with on my own. So I think those need to be enforced and it needs to be enforced by 
uh, an agency that's qualified to enforce them. And, and folks at Silicon Valley, they're, they're just not qualified to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, one one performance that will uh, definitely not be censored, you're going on the road, I've been hearing. <laughs> nice transition, buddy. I appreciate it. What, uh, uh, tell, tell people if, uh, if they're going to be uh, near, near where you're performing. You're performing with Graham, correct? Yeah, Graham Elwood and I, we do a stand-up comedy tour called the Progressive Comedy Tour. It's a lot of fun. And uh, June 11th, actually, for the Epic Livestream, I will be in Washington, D.C. that day. So I'm going to be live streaming from D.C. If all goes as planned, we're actually going to be making a delivery to Mitch McConnell's office, and we're going to stream it, a petition to him. So that's pretty cool. And it's because the next day, the East Coast leg of the Progressive Comedy Tour starts. Uh, We're going to be in D.C. on June 12th. Baltimore, June 13th. We're doing two nights in Philly, June 14th and 15th. Uh, New Haven, Connecticut, June 16th, June 17th. New York City, which I hope you're going to make it, Jordan. I shall. And uh, June 19th, we're going to be in Boston, Massachusetts. Get your tickets now, romplacone.com for all those tickets. We're going to hit the East Coast. I'm real excited about that. And then July 27th, we're doing Vegas, baby. The Progressive (laughs) Comedy Tour is coming back to Vegas. So tickets for all those shows are available at romplacone.com. And uh, circling back, if people want to get involved with the net neutrality action, how do they do that? EpicLivestream.com. June 11th, we're going to be live streaming all day, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time, going all day. There's going to be guests. There's going to be fun. There's going to be music performances. Jordan, I hope you can stop by. I'll loop you in with the schedulers. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's June 11th. It's going all day. EpicLivestream.com. And if you go to EpicLivestream.com before then, you can actually submit comments to be read during the stream. So if you want to issue some comments in support of net neutrality, you can go to epiclivestream.com now and do that. Ron Placone is bringing net neutrality sexy back. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on with us. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely look forward to checking this out. I think it's an important topic that, shocker, uh, the corporate media does not report on. So a lot of people don't know the urgency and the importance. So thanks for uh, being active on this and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statuscoup.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as five to ten dollars a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statuscoup.com/slash/join. And remember, join our email list so we can grow the revolution with you.